and welcome to Streetwise, the podcast extension of the pitch from Kansas City. I am your host, Brock Wilbur, and also the editor-in-chief of the pitch from KC. How is everybody doing out there? Boy, what a time we are having. Uh, <laughs> a little behind-the-scenes sort of thing. Uh, we are on deadline right now, which, if you're a long-time listener, you know means that my entire life is on goddamn fire. Uh, and that my brain uh, neurons are not connecting to anything. So me even having time to come say hi to you is is this fun, just general aside that I really appreciate. Um, we have been trying so hard to cover the things that keep changing. For example, um, we are at deadline here. We are getting our stories in from people. One of our favorite writers, Emily Cox, has been spending the month trying to write about what it will take for schools to reopen and how, as we've determined uh, via our investigations, every school has a different set of rules and every school keeps changing those rules like week by week. Uh, we were about to take it to press today. We sort of thought we had like an evergreen version that by the time the magazine comes out in two weeks, it would, uh, it would still track. You would still be like, yeah, you know, the story makes sense. And then governors from both states announced new rules and a bunch of schools changed their state. It, it became that thing that we realized today is like, hey, you know what? A version of this is going to go up online next week. Because <laughs> trying to predict what the world looks like two weeks out is just a, a fool's errand. We started out thinking that like we could maybe nail it in sort of this general sense. And maybe just cover the concept of like, well, no one knows anything or no one agrees on anything. And, uh, and that's the reason that uh, school by school, the rules are wildly out of control. And uh, that remains, but... Um, even those same schools keep being like, let's roll the dice next week. Let's see what we're saying. We, we got so many tips from uh, teachers in the area <laughs> that were like, hey, here's our like PDF, the, the set of rules that we're going to reopen with. Um, and every single one of them, every one of them starts at the top by saying like in bold letters, like, by the way, this will probably change, which leads you to think like, what was the point of sending this in the first place? And um, a thing that we have seen uh, a new epidemic of is uh, is local teachers that are quitting. Local teachers that are like, if you're going to force me to go back into that room a month from now, nah, not going to do it. Not going to do that thing. I, I would rather not have this job anymore. Which means that we are uh, effectively taking student populations and shoving them into a room that was supposed to be socially distanced but is now like double the number of students because we have half as many teachers and uh, that doesn't work out. And everyone I talk to who's a teacher, especially of, of, of folks in grade school, one of the, uh, the workarounds that we've been told about is the idea that, um, well, perhaps one of the good safety measures we could do is that uh, instead of the students rotating room to room, they'll stay at their same desk and we'll just rotate the teachers. Uh, and to everyone that I know that works in the field, they're like, oh, the idea of a bunch of fourth graders not moving all day 
while the teachers then move around them. Uh, we, uh, we, whomst have worked with children, know that that goes poorly. They'll lose their goddamn minds. It'll be an impossible job to hold. So it is, um, it is a tricky time with that. A fun part of my life is that, um, I'm sure this applies to a lot of you that are listening. If you had a job and it was in the office, before all this hit, you probably got to go there, eat food there, throw the things away there, um, use the electricity there, etc., etc. And now if you're stuck at home and have been stuck at home for a while, things have become different. Uh, my electricity bill, having lived at home here suddenly now for months on end, is triple what it used to be. Um, the heating, cooling bills, same way. Um, it's a lot. Uh, and on top of it, like, especially if you're in a, a sort of close-knit community, internet uh, isn't what it used to be. Because it used to be you were just, like, at home at night. People were watching Netflix. Now it is people trapped at home watching Netflix all day while also everyone in the house trying to do work through their laptops. Uh, I'm not in that I'm not in an area that is too close to each other, but um, everything in my life right now, especially when trying to cover uh, breaking news stories, feels like I'm trying to connect to Wi-Fi through my phone. Uh, it, it is that slow. It's wild, uh, especially because we have Google Fiber, which is supposed to be like the SpaceX version of connecting to the internet, which is, uh, is wild. The extension of this is that I've been home so much and doing so much stuck inside time as has my wife is that we have started to create sort of a wear and tear on our place. So a house that was normally going to be pretty okay suddenly has things breaking down everywhere all of the time. And we don't have any leads on somebody that could just be a handyman. And I'm from Los Angeles, essentially. She is from San Francisco. We've never had yards. We've never had to worry about gutters. Right now, our gutters are falling off of our house. There's electricity issues where a fourth of our house currently just has no power to it, and we don't know what to do. And no one will answer my calls. I've, I've called six electricians in two weeks, and like just no one gets back to me. I'm like, I don't know. Is it happening to everyone everywhere? Did everyone like burn out everything that they had? Um <laughs> So that's where we are. Uh, you know, sometimes you try to install a ceiling fan yourself and you think, you know, I saw a YouTube video. I think I can do it. And then uh, a solid fourth of your house stops working and then you go, okay, somebody will come in and fix it. And uh, no one's there. There's no one to help uh, do that thing. So it is, it is odd to wear down everything. All of the time to be stuck inside, to do the wear downs, uh, to be where we are. It bounces back and forth between me being so excited that I am at home where I'm like, I am, you know what, finally like building my recording studio that I'd always wanted. I, I, I tuned my guitars in the appropriate way for the first time in years. I, I set up this amp. Things are Things are going pretty well. Uh, and then, like, the basement floods. And you're like, well, for fuck shit. Oh, my God. 
what did I do wrong? Uh, this hasn't happened in any rainstorm yet. It just happens to be this one, and you bungled it. So I don't know. Home ownership is fun. Uh, that is a joke that everyone says to anyone that buys a new home. Because, as aforementioned, I've spent my entire life having a landlord. And whenever anything went, like, terrible, I was like, hey, this is your fault. Come fix it. Now it's my fault. Come fix it, me. I... I have no skill sets. A, a, a thing that I have long expressed is that um, I do consider my brain in terms of like a computer and that it has a very limited set of space. And there are so many things about like being a man and uh, being technically proficient at anything where I'm like, you know what? There, there's an amount of space that I have that is filled with three seasons of knowledge about the television show ALF, about ALF, the space alien that wanted to eat cats that was a sitcom and he was a puppet. That amount of space is so much more space than the amount of space it would take for me to know how to change the oil in my car. But like the oil knowledge, that's never getting in there because it's taken up by space for ALF. Uh, and like in a, in a perfect world where I could drag and drop things, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get rid of the elf, get the car stuff in there, be a human being. That'd be wonderful. Uh, and I just can't, it's not that easy. Uh, because one, it's pandemic time. No one has the ability to form new memories or develop new skill sets. Like it's, it's scientifically proven. We're just out of it. And secondly, why would I want to get rid of all that fun, like, ALF knowledge I've got? Like, it's, it's fine. Um, no, it's a huge disappointment, and I, uh, I desire to go back in time and have a different existence in that way. So, yeah, uh, it is it is odd to watch things break down. And to be the sort of person that, because I've never had to deal with, like, a lawn or a house or anything like that, I bought my first lawnmower last week. And I keep looking at the yard and being like, is this the day I finally try to mow a yard? But uh, every day out here has been cracking like the 90s or the 100s in temperature. And like my phone says, there's a UV warning. Don't be outside. Your skin will turn to cancer. And I'm like, all right. So uh, the lawnmower continues to stay inside. I'm buying toolkits in hopes that like various things around the house i'm like i think i can fix it i can't fix it we can all agree i can't fix it it's perfectly fine i'm an adult man who can recognize his limitations and uh me stopping the handrail on the stairs to my basement from breaking out of the concrete wall i don't got that in me it's perfectly fine but i'm trying i'm really trying Let's see where this goes. Uh, this is perhaps the year 2020 in terms of pandemic, getting locked inside, doing that sort of thing that uh, some of us uh, soy boys who uh, never had to develop some of these skill sets around cars or gardening or mechanics have to just step it up and learn it. And sure, I'm in for that. I... Uh, Hope to not ruin it the way that we ruined trying to install a ceiling fan and then disabled electricity to part of our house. Uh, I, I will, 
I think we will keep trying things, and when we horribly, horribly fuck them up, we at least know that there are apps out there for people that are smarter than us that we can hire to come in and come fix stuff. And I don't know. I kind of like that. I, I like the idea of, of spending the rest of the year trying. Knowing that I'm going to make a mistake every time, but knowing that like with a little bit of money, somebody else can come in, raise their eyebrow at you, do a joke, and then and then fix it. At some point, I'll get closer to having some sort of skill set and being a man. That'll be wonderful. I look forward to that. Anyway, uh, today on the show, uh, we have a wonderful interview. But first, Nick's Music Corner. Hello, I'm Nick Spacek, music editor for The Pitch, and I'm here with this week's local music recommendation. Miles Bonnie might have been born in New York and living now in Taos, New Mexico, but thanks to a string of releases in the early aughts, most notably the Sounds Good albums he recorded with Joe Good, the musician will always see Lawrence and Casey claiming him as one of our own. The musician's latest, Lumberjack Soul 2, released on Bandcamp at the beginning of June after the drop of the album's first single, Want You, in mid-May. The album is available now on Bandcamp at milesbonnie.bandcamp.com, and there's a link to pre-order Lumberjack Soul 2 on vinyl from Digger's Factory. As of this recording, there were 146 copies left, and you have until the beginning of August to snag one on beautiful splatter vinyl. The album track Soulful Melodies is a warm, woozy soul number which fits dead smack into Bonnie's description of his sound as, quote, tone and character with a timeless sensibility, end quote. Check it out now. Thank you. 
Thank you, Nick. Really appreciate what you had to say there. And the song was a rockin'. And now we're going to go to an interview with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Introduce yourself to the audience. Hi there. Um, I'm Elizabeth Belden, and I'm a brewer at Kansas City Beer Company down in Waldo and uh, grew up in a suburb of here, so from Olathe originally, but I've been in the brewing industry now for like 15 years, 2000, yeah, since 2005, Jesus, yeah, that's a, <laughs> I don't like saying that out loud, <laughs> a long time. Now, I always want to ask people what it is like to grow up in Olathe, because uh, I, being from uh, Los Angeles, uh, well, I, I growing up in central Kansas would make a lot of trips to Olathe for reasons that would become very dark uh, later on. Um, <laughs> But, like, in Los Angeles, I was always fascinated by people that were born in Burbank because Burbank uh, feels like it's just one giant, like, Walmart, Ikea, and Olathe seems like the religious version of that. Like, were you close enough to the city to experience, like, actual culture, or did you have an odd growing up experience? Um, It was a little – maybe a little sheltered, but by the time I got to high school, um, I had a really great teacher who actually still is a friend of mine and lives in Hyde Park in – she kind of introduced um, just like through stories about the city. And so I actually have a friend of mine, she and I would drive to uh, like from Olathe, like when we were 16, 17 and drive up to the Tivoli theater and Jerusalem cafe. And that was sort of our, like, you know, Oh, do you want, what, what movie do you want to see? Sort of dinner. That one two punch of a day is, is the origin story of so many cool friends I have who grew up out here. They're like, yeah, Jerusalem Cafe Tivoli. That's uh, that's where I I learned to be cool. <laughs> it's, like, it's all right. Wild. Because yeah. now, like, if I had to drive from here that distance, I wouldn't do it. I'm too lazy. But as a 17 year old, it's like, yeah, sure, why not? I I do have a friend that keeps doing Facebook posts, or was before this pandemic thing started. That was like, man, KC traffic has become Los Angeles, and I'm just like, I I I feel physically bad when I see them post it because it's like, no, no, no. L.A. traffic is about needing to put a gun into your mouth to survive each day. Yeah. Like, I mean, Kansas City traffic. Well, like, this is the only city I've ever been in of, of comparable size or larger where the infrastructure matches the number of people. And I'm sure that like, <laughs> my, my, my wife likes to say, like, we're Austin from 10 years earlier. Like, we're going to build towards this, and eventually this will be a difficult place, too, especially as life on the coast becomes uh, – unable to uh, unlivable uh which is true because so many of so many of my friends from like california have moved here in the last year and a half and a lot of them live in the same building and i'm just like yeah yeah just keep importing all the people that i genuinely like from there to this place where you know your dollar goes uh a longer way um but yeah uh what what brought you to brewing um i was at umkc back in like 2005 and what were you actually, studying at the time? Um, so I I started out in their med program and then decided that I did not care for the format of it's like it was a six year where they smush everything together and as an eighteen year old I you know my first semester of college I had twenty hours of classes and didn't realize that that was not normal and so eventually ended up uh, just with biology but then uh, the Stowers Institute kind of across the street. Uh, 
from the dorm room. Like I could, it wasn't really across the street. It was just across Rock Hill. And I could see it from my dorm room, and that kind of got my interest in more research. And so I sort of pulled called a lab there, ended up uh, as an intern, and then decided I didn't want to be in med school anymore. I wanted to do lab stuff and just get the fuck out of the uh, lab. You know, I didn't care for that program. <laughs> so uh ended up with just a biology uh, like focus and then um, was still kind of in school when I decided I, I mean I needed a part-time job and someone who was in one of my classes had a part-time job at Boulevard doing kind of like grunt lab work and she wanted a full-time position and they didn't have one available at the time and so um, I was like well I've got lab experience and I like beer so if you decide to give your two weeks, like, and they need someone else, you know, just feel free to drop my name. And then that's exactly what happened. So in like December of 2005, I got brought on likely because they were just happy. They didn't really have to look for anyone else who would help help right. out in the way that they needed to, which is just, you know, sterilizing equipment and making media like broths and augers and stuff like that. that they used to test stuff. So, but also sterilizing equipment is, is a job that I'm sure you're still doing now. Like that oh, seems God, like yeah. <laughs> most of the work there. Like they, it's not the grunt work isn't different than the uh, management work. <laughs> no, not at all. Nope. Nope. And then uh, that ended up being kind of a sweet spot to start because the. So I mean, most people who, uh, I mean, I don't know if you were here when the old brew house was the only brew house because that new building didn't get um new as in the like brew house too, like the big brew house that kind of went up in 2006. And so okay. in August, of, in August of 06, they decided that they needed like a full-time lab person. And I'd actually finished school and was like, didn't really make a plan. Cause I was kind of hoping I'd get asked to stay on full-time. Cause I didn't have, I didn't know what else to do. And was, uh, didn't, didn't like have a lease anywhere because I was thinking, okay, well, if I grew up in this general area and I just, I don't want to find a job here. If I get this job, then I'll stay. But if not, then I might try and live outside the metro for something. But then uh, I ended up getting hired. And so just PC lifer here, I guess. As a brief aside, I have an apology to make because I was 20 minutes late to our interview starting because um, this is Wednesday night. And a thing that just happened is that because uh, Bill Gates and Kanye West and Elon Musk and some other people had their Twitter accounts hacked, uh, oh, Twitter no. has, has shut down the ability for anyone with a blue check mark to do a tweet. Uh, for, <laughs> like, so it, right as we were supposed to hop on the phone, I was trying to send a tweet and realized I couldn't and then oh. saw the news. And so it's, it's the ultimate version of mods are asleep uh, post gay stuff. Like it, none of the blue check mark people on Twitter can post anything for the foreseeable future. So every other smaller account is rising up. Like That's hilarious. <laughs> Way to way to lift voices. Like I, I love that. Like they can't do anything when the president uh, threatens to bomb a country or something. But uh, yeah. Elon Musk uh, tweets out something about, "Hey, send Bitcoin to this account number," and they're like, "Shut it all down. Shut it all. Shut down. it all <laughs> down. This is no longer okay." Like, okay, what's where's your line? Because it feels like it's in the wrong spot. So my wife has like a thousand followers, and she writes for uh, a feminist news organization. And so she does not go on fucking Twitter because like all of her mentions are just like men yelling at her about stuff. Oh God, I can imagine. So she doesn't I mean, have I, a blue check mark. 
she doesn't have a blue check mark, so she is currently on there, like, sending messages to my friends, like, when I have, like, a joke that I want to share with them, and she's like, hey, Brock wanted to say this, but uh, he can't right now because he's in jail. Uh, and, and she keeps saying, like, incredibly funny things, including, like, hey, does this mean that Trump can't tweet right now, or is he the only one that can? What's happening? And I was like, I did, like, a loud gasp, and she was like, I bet you wish you could tweet that right now. And I was like, God damn it. Yeah. Stop, stop rubbing That's a good it. question, though. It, it truly is, because who knows what rules apply to him and what don't. So, like, who yeah. knew that they had a kill switch for for everyone, and everyone at the pitch is currently dunking on me because they're like, ah, the one time your clout worked against you. I'm like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I, I get it. So, like, you finally DM'd, and you're like, hey, here's terrible cooking videos, uh, weird food monster shit that I want you to see. And I was like, right, it's been 20 minutes. I just – Nothing like this has ever happened <laughs> in the history of social media. And, like, it was just cool to watch. Like, it, it, it's just chaos. It's pure chaos. And I'm, I was loving it so much. So, like, just I care about people. you more than I care about seeing the world burn. Uh, but <laughs> I, oh, come on. A that was a right crispy hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was important that you, you saw that. Me was ter- no, it was not important that I saw that. Everything is cake these days. So, <laughs> what, how much science goes into what you do? Oh, there's a lot. I mean, is, brewing is like sort of a general really like, formula for for what you do, and then there's like tweaks, and you you sort of learn about stuff, or is like everything that you make wildly different? <laughs> um, there's so like there is like a brewing and a lab side that I that I'm kind of doing now. Um, okay. But from the from the brewing side, you're it's pretty much you know it's sort of like uh like making a sandwich. Like if you get rye bread and you get pastrami and you get mustard and you get uh like what swiss or whatever you kind of you have an idea of what that sandwich is going to taste like but then if oh maybe that mustard had a little bit of a different flavor it's more vinegary than i thought it was going to be so maybe i'll dial it back or i'll change this out you can then sort of play a little bit with the specifics but the general idea of it is pretty comparable and so like brewing, just even as a hobby, is one of those things that it's, you can always pour more money into it. There's always a piece of equipment to upgrade, and that never goes away. Like once you're a, a bigger brewery, like there's always something new coming along. And the new stuff can be like really, really, really specific where, you know, you're, you've got a device that can puncture a can and soak up some of the beer into a tube and then measure the carbonation level, the density, the acidity the i mean like like dissolved oxygen i mean all sorts of stuff and so really really big breweries with really nice labs have got probably oh i'd say half a million dollars worth of equipment in there probably just to test test stuff but then on the smaller side you don't need all of that but it does help with consistency so if you're really trying to make the same thing over and over and especially once you start to sell your beer in a package so like cans or bottles instead of just kegs it helps right. to have, you know, like the consistency is key there. Because there's, a, yeah, there's also a lot of about that because, like, the, the, the lack of variation once you nail a thing, like, so mm-hmm. much of this seems like, you know, you it, it confounds me because, like, I don't understand baking, even though, like, I understand, like, a very, <laughs> like, it's a, a very binary set of things. And if you just follow the instructions, everything should turn out the same every time. But then, like, I move apartments and I have a different kind of stove 
and nothing yep. fucking works and like the bread doesn't rise or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, so you guys just keep all the same equipment and do the same thing every time. And that's why the beer tastes the same year after year. <laughs> well, I mean, and I remember when uh, Boulevard got their new brew house. So they were going from a 35 barrel system and just for like sizing terms, uh, a barrel, the way that we measured is 31 gallons. Okay. And so going from a 35 barrel system to a 150 barrel system, trying to keep a recipe that had been around for, you know, 20 years at that point and make it exactly the same so that no one can tell from the outside. Like that was tricky. I mean, I was in the lab the entire time I was there and it was the, uh, my old boss would say like, you know, it's trying, it's like trying to make your favorite recipe in someone else's kitchen. Like That's everything is That feels different. like what it must be. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it does take uh, just a little bit of trial and error and uh, time. And then ideally, you don't change anything too drastically that the other people can tell. But then on internally, like, there are little things that you're looking for to try and make sure that, you know, if, if your employees can't tell the difference, then there's a good chance that the public won't be able to either. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty good standard, I assume. Uh, what what is it that makes the Kansas City beer scene uh, so special or singular? <laughs> I mean, it's been growing like a weed since I started. I mean, when I um, yeah, back in back then, really the only places that were around, like that were even remotely comparable were, and I'm gonna forget one and probably make people mad, but um, we always used to go over to Free State, or Seventy uh, Fifth Street Brewery was open. Um, there was a place up in Parkville called uh, Power Plant. God. So it, it wasn't that big. So, I mean, and it's kind of remained a pretty consistent growth up until the last few years so that you really kind of, you knew everyone, and you really still do kind of know everybody who's in it. But I don't know. The brewing industry in general is cool just because it's very, very, people are really supportive of each other. So I remember, like, if uh, – God, I think 75th Street, like the building caught fire. Uh, so this is at 75th and Waldo, kind of where Summit Grill and stuff like that is right now. Sure. Uh, but it, there was a big fire and a bunch of their stuff got fucked up. And I remember, I think it was either Boulevard or Free State washed a bunch of their kegs for them so that they could, you know, get back online a little bit faster because all of that equipment was down. And so there's even now, like I can still go back to Boulevard as, you know, arguably like a rival company, but you know, from the operations side, we don't really look at it like that. We kind of look at it as like, oh yeah, these are like, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I want the general beer scene to be better than it is? Like always improving <laughs> that rising tide lifts all boats sort of thing. It's right. super easy, but it's like, we don't want people to come to Kansas City and then have there be little like pockets of like, oh, go here, but don't go here. That person doesn't know what the fuck they're doing and I'm not going to help them. So <laughs> if someone's got a question, it's like, hey, can I come and check out your whatever it is like oh yeah sure so it's, I, I like that there's a community that is created and, and everyone supports each other because if uh one of the beers was shitty it would reflect poorly on everyone yeah kind of i mean you know you don't want to have just a an area or just somewhere that you widely just don't recommend so if in you know, in, you know people different people are going to be different as far as like how receptive they are to um advice and, you know, you're not going to walk in there and just, you know, tell them, hey, I, I know what you're doing wrong. But if they have a question <laughs> or anything like that, then there's 
absolutely just a wealth of knowledge here in town. So it's, it's and people are incredibly willing to share it. So it's a cool industry like that. Well, it, it is a cool industry, and, and I imagine that this is, is something that you have many thoughts on and have had some experiences around. But um, obviously it must be uh, over your 15 years in the industry, it must be uh, tricky and complicated and I'm sure oftentimes frustrating to be a woman in a burgeoning industry, just because that's true of, of women in all industries, but especially yeah. one as, as bro-centric. As, a, as the craft oh, yeah. beer world, uh, what has your journey with that been like? Have you, have you felt mostly accepted by things? Have you really had to fight to get your position? What, what, what's your story with that? <laughs> um, by my peers, it's never really been a problem. I think they, you know, at, at Boulevard and at Beer Co. and, like, just with my friends around the industry, like, they've kind of, once someone's in it for long enough, they kind of respect, like, that's knowledge, and we not, we like knowledge. But any issues I've ever had have been, like, snide comments from people at, like, a festival where, you know, I'm pouring there, and uh, they come up, and they're just like, oh, hey, so I've got a question. And then they would kind of try and look past me to the sales guy who argues. He's like, yeah, I got a yeast question, and then just, you know, immediately turn to the guy or assume, like, oh, you must sell a lot of beer, like, not in sales, dude. Like I, I made, I, I made this. Do you want to know about it or not? And uh, yeah, so that 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 side of it gets a little annoying, and it kind of still does. Like that still happens pretty regularly. But um, as far as my coworkers, like I've never really had an issue with it. So it's, that's, I mean, that's that's a real testament to it. probably just the, the region that we're in. Because I have friends around the industry that uh, have had different experiences. And we 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 are we are a shockingly good and progressive city sometimes, and that that warms my yeah. heart to hear that from you. Yeah. <laughs> what is uh, what are the, what are sort of the issues that are facing you guys uh, over the last couple of months? What does the path back look like? What have been the extra steps that have to be added? What is what has been good and what has been bad? Oh <laughs> uh, well, what's been bad was like the week of St. Patrick's Day roughly is just all keg sales stopped, just fucking stopped in their tracks. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of breweries, I, I know we are, and I'm pretty sure maybe Boulevard is too, but they're close enough to being about half draft and half package. If they're doing package stuff that suddenly cutting out half of your income is, you know, kind of a devastating occurrence. And so I know for us, we ended up selling more bottle beer because we had to ramp up bottle packaging, but it's not like it's compensating for the loss of draft. And that, that's right. across the country. I mean, that's not certainly not happening just to us. And then places that are too small to be doing or not, or just don't even want to do package beer and they've only been doing draft. It just stops. And so now they're as kind of starting to creep open again. You just sort of have to figure out, the best way for you to do it for your consumer and for your staff to make it safe and something that you're that's comfortable still. Because, I mean, my favorite part of going to a bar is just sitting at the bar and shooting right. the bartender and the person next to me. And so I honestly haven't gone anywhere, even though we're kind of allowed to now. It's like, ugh, it's not going to be the same. I might as well just drink at home. <laughs> 
You know, it, there was it is it is a shame to hear it, but after things opened up and it seemed like things were going to be okayish for a little bit, uh, my haunt is the drunken worm, and a thing that had happened over the course of of three to four months of not being able to go there was that I I work there a lot of days. I hang out there. I just, not even having drinks, but just like they refill my water glass and I get to sit at my laptop and it's nice. And there are so many like, especially blue collar guys that come in there that were regulars that I saw every day from like the last two years of my life. Cause I yeah. lived around the corner. And when this hit a thing that, uh, that set in that the, made it wildly depressing was that I was like, I know all of these dudes and a couple of these women by their first names only. Uh, Mike, the construction worker definitely doesn't have fucking Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was just like, so there's like four months of, of a raging pandemic where I was like, I don't know if, if these people are even alive and I have yeah. no ability to check up on it with anybody. Like there's just no thing. So like for a couple of days I went in, and just like had lunch or something, and just to see people come through, that I was yeah. like, oh, thank God, Mike, good, you're still here. And then almost just uh, doing it like a checklist of like, okay, you're here, good, you're alive, you're alive, great, fantastic. And then somebody at, uh, on the staff uh, there uh, tested positive for COVID and everything, shut the fuck back down there again. It's like, yeah. you know what? Yep, you're right. Let's do another couple months. It was it was Groundhog Day. The gopher came up. Yeah. Uh, we all saw the shadow, and we're all going back down into the earth. Exactly. We saw the shadow. We freaked the fuck out, and then back down. And <laughs> we just, we knew like we were kind of doing the wrong thing. Shouldn't mm-hmm. have gone in there in the first place. It seemed like it yeah. was safe, distancing and wipe downs and everyone had masks and then and then it wasn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is which for the motions of trying. We had to really we had to commit to it. I kinda I mean, I wore a mask. We tried, we kinda we yeah. did this stuff. I was given a timeline and god damn it, that's when I'm gonna you know, start licking doorknobs again. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um I, I guess maybe one of the last things I want to talk about with you, because like we're friends and this is something that I think defines part of your brand is um, your journey from being a runner to not being a runner to coming back to being a runner again, which I, I find is a, a wildly inspiring story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I wasn't stopping, stopping by choice. I had a, uh, I was training for like a, a marathon last year and, um, it was the, it's called Grandma's Marathon, which is named after a restaurant chain uh, up in Duluth, Minnesota, and it runs along the, co- the coast of Lake Superior, and it's just supposed to be really, really beautiful and pretty flat, and so therefore, like, a quote-unquote easier course, and I was training for that last year. Um, did some things wrong, probably, just increased mileage or, you know, started feeling confident and going farther and faster than I should have just because I felt good instead of doing metered increases and then uh, ended up with a stress fracture in my foot. So I couldn't do anything for about three months because it turns out my job requires a lot of walking. And right. So that, that kind of, I mean, and I, never, active and I, career. <laughs> I never stopped working. And so I, it just took a long time to heal. And so then uh, it's like, okay, well, 2020 grandma's 2020. And then a fucking pandemic hits. So this is the second time I've signed up for a race that has not didn't get to run. So we're just going to keep on signing up for this same marathon until I actually get to run it. But yeah, this, even in the heat, uh, running is really, it, it kind of occupies the 
percentage of my brain that is otherwise just kind of that low level of anxiety about the world right now. Right. You know, that just that constant like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, I can't think too hard about this, you know, or I'm just going to spiral, you know. But when I'm out there and struggling through 80% humidity, I don't have the energy to think about that. All I can think about is just, okay, stay alive right now. <laughs> that's, that's, all you, that's all you have time for. I like that so. our base level right now is is essentially fight or flight. And so yeah, you, yep. you, when you go running, like, you can't do two levels of fight or flight. Like, the, the exact uh-huh. same endorphins and things are releasing and the same fear parts of the brain. So, okay. yeah, yeah, you have to. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it, it really, you know, for, because I, I also have a, a good friend of mine that I run with. And so this entire pandemic, you know, we continued you know, at, at one point she was running in the street and I'd be on the sidewalk. So we're trying to stay distant from each other, but just bouncing off of each other with the whole, like, what the fuck is happening? Like, <laughs> what is, what is, is this, what the, oh God. And so being able to just still see a friend, still get act, still be active. And then um, work never really shut down completely for us. Like our hours got reduced because we were definitely brewing less and, you know, we didn't require as much staffing to only bottle since we stopped kegging for a while. So I had a little bit more time on my hands to just, uh, you know, be out and, and trying to, trying to survive it as best everyone else. You know, of course I'm in a fine situation more than most just because I've got consistent shelter and you know, I don't have to be, seeing a whole bunch of people every day, like a super frontline worker. But, you know, there's still that just general anxiousness about not knowing what's going to happen next. This year's only half over, and it's just getting worse. Everything is getting worse. How is that possible, Brock? You actually bummed me out so much, I'm going to end the interview. Thank you so much for talking to us. It's going to be fine, but we all, like, we, we all don't know it together. We're together, and we none of us have any idea what's going to happen next. So that's kind of fun, right? Where can people find you on Twitter? Oh, I'm at uh, uh, E Belden, E B E L D E N. And there's a lot of there's a lot of running stuff, and then probably just anti-Trump stuff, and then some stuff I'm sure that's going to end up getting me uh, on some sort of an anger list when I'm because I. The, the tomahawk chop shit is bothering me. I, like people are, why are they so dedicated to a thing that didn't even originate here? That's definitely cultural appropriation, and yeah, little little thoughts like that. That's really all my, you're gonna get off my mind. My friend Dave Cyrus used to have a stand-up bit about how uh, a friend of his was Jewish, uh, and Dave is also Jewish, and uh, his friend uh, worked in a tattoo parlor. And oftentimes, guys would come in and ask for like a swastika. And every time that they requested that, um, he would absolutely do it. And my friend Dave was like, why do you do that? He's like, I absolutely want them to identify who they are. Yeah. So I'd be able to see it from a distance. So uh, with the Washington team uh, changing their name now, uh-huh. uh, I saw a lot of like Twitter responses from people that were like, I'm still going to wear the old jersey. And the same thought process applies. Like, good. I want to good. be able to see you coming. I want to, I want to know exactly what's in your heart from a distance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if if there's, you know, like middle-aged white guys militantly wearing a Native American headdress to Chiefs games, okay, well, that's that's all I need to know. We don't need to have no, a conversation. No, no, 
All right. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Have a great one. Yeah, you too, Rock. All right. Bye. That was our delightful interview. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, This has been Streetwise, the podcast, and I should let you know that right now, thepitchkc.com, which is where you should go to support us and see all the great work we're doing, um, we are running our best of KC, which if you're familiar with the pitch, which I hope that you are if you're listening to this, each year it is sort of this nominate everyone you want and then a second round we vote on everyone you like. We try to figure out who everyone thinks is the best at what they do in the city. Every kind of food, every kind of establishment, every kind of person, every kind of podcast. I, I wouldn't hate it if you nominated this. No, actually, you know what? We I, I can't be the winner of this show. Uh, you know, ethics. Um, hop on over to our site. Pop into the Best of KC section. There are hundreds of categories and if there's anybody in this city that you like that you appreciate what they do that you find their work to be exceptional toss them a vote like um at the end of all this the people that get awarded like best of you're the best at this in kc from us it becomes a huge boost to their business moving forward i've seen pitch best of kc and your numbers on vans for yard care service outside of my own home. Like everyone puts it up when they know that they've won something because it matters. It really truly does because we are the ones to pull all the cool people. You're a cool person. Um, Your voice should be heard in this. And if it's for a business you like, it's going to boost that business in ways that you can't imagine so like it's it's worth your time it's worth the 30 seconds to go in and be like hey that's my favorite bar and that's my favorite haircut place that's my favorite halal restaurant like yeah give it a few minutes just pop in let us know because it really matters to give uh in the same way that it matters to fill out your census uh so that the city gets federal funding on the uh scale that it deserves this sort of thing, less important, but still important, allows people to know, like, if they were to spend a weekend here, where they need to go, what they need to do, the choices that they need to make for 2021. And it's really cool. It's really cool if you pop in and help out. Anyway, I'm Brock Wilbur. I'm the editor-in-chief. I'm the host here. Uh, rate, review our show. Pitch in and we'll make it through. Thank you so much for listening, Uh, and uh, our editor is Terrence Wiggins. Hire him. Hire him for audio work. If you're starting a podcast, grab this guy. He's great and nice. Real pretty face. You'll like him. All right. Uh, That's our show. See you guys next week. Thank you so much.